I want to be able to show other people that this works. You can be environmentally friendly and make a profit. Like it is possible to do those things without jacking up your prices. I want to use my company as an example. You don't even have to think about, like you said, just pick up your everyday cleaning product or whatever the product is. And if we can just make eco-friendly products the norm, which means they have to be priced right, then think of how much waste we're going to be removing from landfills and from the ocean, how much plastic is going to be diverted. That's the true end goal in my mind. Welcome to Mindful Businesses presented by Sarani and I'm your host, Vidya Ayer. In our podcast, we bring to you businesses that are mindful in their practices and processes. A mindful business employs sustainable social, economic, and environmental practices. Today, we have with us Reed Edgar, owner of Spot Detergent, eco-friendly on a budget. He joins us from Stockton Springs, Maine. Welcome, Reed. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. As the gap between the rich and the poor widens in the United States, especially in the urban areas, sustainable practices and products have been the choice and option for people with disposable income, almost elitist, when in fact the right to have safe, sustainable products is every individual's right. In America alone, as per the U.S. Census in 2021, 11.6% lived below the poverty line. That is almost 38 million people just in the United States. Sustainable products is out of reach for these 38 million people in the U.S. and 4 billion people worldwide. There are such inequities in this space. Just transition, just sustainability is as important as offering sustainable solutions, right? I think sustainability is something that a lot of people care about. A lot of people, and not just rich people. I think most people care about the earth, the environment. I think everyone can see what's happening around us with climate change, and they want to do the right thing. And they know that it's important for themselves and for their community and for the health of everyone who lives on this planet. And therefore, I think a lot of people are sometimes left without knowing what can they do as an individual? You know, I'm not saying that my product is the end-all solution that's going to change everything, but I think that offering solutions and little changes that people can make that are very easy to make, making them accessible to everyone is a key change that we can make. It's a change not only in terms of changing the type of products that you buy, but changing the way that we think about these products and the way that they're presented and market it out in the world. And that's one of the things that I want to change. I want to make these type of products, make them equitable and attainable for everyone so that everyone can make a, the sustainable choice. And some part of it is also education, right? About 15, 20 years ago, you know, we were all learning about the sustainable practice, me in particular. And a friend of mine talked about organic cotton clothes and biodegradable organic cleaning products. And for a minute, I was not very sure if that really makes a difference to my family. How do you go about educating people that, hey, not only does it help your family, but look at the long-term effect on everything around you? 
I think one of the ways is think about it in terms of kind of the way that you said it, like shifting the mindset, like not only a product, but a, a way of living or a way of taking care of your family. Doing something that's good does not necessarily have to mean that it's out of reach for me or it's too expensive or it's something that only somebody that has a, a nice house or a nice car can do. Even educating that the product is important, that it is a sustainable product. How do you go about convincing somebody that? And, you know, somebody who is trying to put food on the table, for them, priority is to put food on the table and have, in your case, clean clothes and they buy the cheapest detergent possible. How do you convince them, hey, you can spend money on these things and you need to spend money on these things for your overall well-being? So in my case, for my company and for my product, I approach it from several different angles. One of them is affordability. I want my product to be extremely affordable to the point where someone sees it on the shelf and they say like, oh my God, is this like the actual price? Like I thought this looks like it's environmentally friendly, but the competition is two or three times as much money. So I want it to be extremely affordable. And then in terms of accessibility, my packaging looks like a standard cleaning product that you would see on the shelf, that you have seen on the shelf at any grocery store for the past, I don't know, 50 years. And so by doing that, you're inviting more people to see this as just a regular product. I don't want people to think of my product as any different than the traditional laundry detergent that you've been buying forever. In fact, one of my goals is to make this the standard for cleaning products. I don't want people to be buying liquid detergent in the future because it's just not environmentally friendly. You're buying, you know, these heavy jugs of liquid in a plastic jug that is just going to end up in a landfill. So in terms of starting to educate people and change people's minds and open them up to these new innovations, it has to be accessible. For someone to even pick it up, I don't want them to see a product that is eco-friendly and look at it and say, oh, this is not for me. The packaging is, you know, too green, so to say or it's, uh, it's too expensive, this is not for me. I think accessibility invites people in so that they can learn about what it is and learn that, oh, this is a good product. This may be a little bit different, but it works for me. It's going to do exactly what, what I need it to do. It works exactly the same way as any other type of detergent. In fact, it's easier to use because you don't have to measure anything or it's just you take the sheet and you put it in the washing machine and you're done. So anyway, those two tenets, the affordability and accessibility, I think are the, are the opening the gates that we have opened in order to reach these people that traditionally are not marketed these types of eco-friendly products. I remember always having laundry detergent powder. And sometime in the 90s, we made the switch to the liquid, at least in our household. Mm-hmm. Mine too. Why did that happen? Well, the only advantage that I could see, it would not stick on the clothes. You know, the, otherwise if we had a black band, it would come out with detergent powder or something it just stuck on the fabric. That was one of the advantages that I felt. I think it happened, my family too, yeah. I think it was in the 90s. I remember scooping the powder out of that little plastic, tiny wafer-thin scoop, putting it in the washing machine. And then, yeah, at some point we switched. As far as the answer, you'd have to ask someone at Procter & Gamble. They would know better than me. But my guess is it has to do with, if you look at the liquid detergent that you buy now, there's so many 
variations. You know, we've got oxy boosters and all these sorts of different selling points that I think are easier to sell. I think there was also a move away from starches and other certain chemicals that may have been present in powders, and people didn't want that anymore. And also, not to be cynical, but I, I think because you can charge more for liquid and pods, those companies wanted to push those products as opposed to powder. We've had other cleaning product companies on our show, like Drops, which is very popular, which we in our household use. We had Jeffrey Hollander of Seventh Generation. And one of the issues with the liquid detergent is the fact that you add water to this thing, essentially powder, which would have done just as fine a job. You have to transport these gallons, so you're spending humongous amount of money as against a packed powder and the waste of water, right? In making the, and the plastic, of course, in the gallon jugs. How is yours sustainable? You almost answered it for me. <laughs> There's many ways. I'll, I'll give the brief answer. One, our packaging is not made of plastic. You know, you see all the detergents on the shelf at the grocery store. Pretty much every single one is in a plastic jar or plastic jug. So we're cutting that out. Second of all, the amount of oil needed to not only produce those plastic jars, because plastic is made from petrochemicals, which is essentially oil, but the amount of oil and gas needed to transport what is essentially jugs of soapy water across the country is astounding. And our product is weighs practically nothing. Each sheet weighs about three grams. And so we're about 80 to 90% less by weight than our competitors in the liquid detergent market. Not only that, but we take up less space on a truck. So you're able to put about three times more of our product than a liquid jug on a shelf. So it costs less to transport and you can transport more at the same time. Huge savings when it comes to oil and gas, which also in turn helps us to sell for a lower price. The other things that we're doing, I don't think this is something that a lot of consumers know about, but the amount of plastic stretch wrap that is used in transportation is mind-blowing. Every pallet that is shipped, whether it's laundry detergent or soft drinks or whatever, when it leaves the warehouse, it's wrapped in plastic stretch wrap, which is thrown away as soon as it gets to the next warehouse, the next link in the supply chain. So we are using a sugarcane-based stretch wrap, which is much more environmentally friendly. Uh, it's not perfect, but it's the best solution that we've been able to find. So that's another way that we're cutting out just untold amounts of plastic. The, the amount of stretch wrap that is thrown away every year is in the millions of pounds, and consumers don't even see it. It's gone and thrown away before they get before the product gets to the shelf. Those are probably the top three ways that our product is more sustainable compared to what you're used to buying. Some of the organic products or eco-friendly products, they're basic ingredients. You could use ingredients which can make your product more eco-friendly. Ingredients which are made to create the product and also what happens to it and when it joins a sewer system. How, are you able to explore those opportunities, those solutions? Yeah. Yeah. So our product, the formula, when we started developing this and, and working to create this product, it was very important that the formula, you know, it's, it's important, you know, removing the plastics and all that is important, but if we're using harmful ingredients or chemicals and artificial fragrances and all that stuff, it, it minimizes our impact. And so 
we're very conscious of using cleansers and solvents that are not harmful to the environment or to people's skin. We've had uh, dermatologists testing for people with sensitive skin, for babies, for seniors, passed with flying colors. It was, everything was great. Our product is, we can say that it's plant-based, it's vegan, it's hypoallergenic, it's all of those things. It doesn't have any harsh chemicals. The fragrance that we do use is very light and it's not overpowering. It's probably the thing we get the most comments about actually is, is how much people like the scent. But yes, going back to your question, the ingredients are simple and nothing that is gonna be harmful to the environment. That's just as important as the packaging. How did you come up with the solution? Did you work in this space? No, <laughs> I'm new to the laundry detergent world. I, this isn't my first company that I started. I've started several companies. And the reason I was drawn to this is because I've always cared about the environment. I've always been passionate about it. I think it was you know, the, the way that I was raised and the environment in which I grew up in really fostered a caring of the earth and the environment in me. But I've also been very passionate about business. And so this is a way to combine both things that I'm passionate about. And when I think back you know, in my younger years, when I was you know, looking at, I had this passion and caring and I wanted to get involved in all these projects and, you know, how do we plant more trees? How do we, you know, use less CO2? How do we recycle more? All these things I cared about. And I, I was always running into a lot of passion and a lot of people excited, but not a lot of pragmatic solutions. That would always, that was very discouraging. I felt like I, I don't know I've got this passion and energy, but I don't know where to put it. And so now that I'm an adult and I'm older, I can use that and come up with these pragmatic solutions that I think are the best way to shift our mainstream society into making these better choices. To answer your question, it's something that I'm passionate about. How did you create the product? I partnered with people who are smarter than me on the science side uh, in order to develop it. I'm more of a businessman. I like to think that I'm very good at figuring out solutions for problems and coming up with the way that we've been able to make our product affordable, make it accessible, how to, and not only that, but to position it and put it in places where people do not typically find eco-friendly products. I think that's where my skills come into play. Talk about your products being in places where people normally don't find it, like say the Whole Foods or the Target aisle. It reminded me about a very famous paper written by C.K. Prahlad and Stuart Hart. It talked about marketing to the bottom of the pyramid. In his research, it said that there are about 4 billion people who earn less than $500 a year. I think that is your market, right? So in his case, what he did is, or what he suggested is that instead of having really large packaging, if I go to buy a laundry detergent, like a Tide one-gallon jug, how much is it now? $18, $20, $21? Whereas buying a $2 thing few times a year is more affordable, more it gives the poor people access. And as a marketing strategy, you will end up reaching this other sliver of the population, which cannot go out and buy the $22 Tide jug. 100%. Yeah. I mean, all of these things that we've talked about are useless if we can't get it in front of the people who need it and who are typically not marketed to with these products. Like you said, you know, you know, Whole Foods is full of eco-friendly products that are good for the environment, but you don't always find those in a gas station or 
like for example, we're, um, our product is, we're doing a trial right now at Dollar Tree, which is not really where you typically find eco-friendly products, but we're there. It's $1.25, the same as every other product. And it's a better value than Tide and Gain and all the other detergents that they have on the shelf. We're also working with um, like convenience stores and you know corner grocery stores. Again, places you typically don't find eco-friendly products. But if you put it out there at the right price and it looks like something that you would expect to buy for a, a cleaning, for a laundry detergent product, even if someone doesn't care about the environment, they're going to buy it because it's got a great price. It's easy to use convenient. It checks all the right boxes. It doesn't look like something that's not accessible to them. I remember there was somebody told me this story about she knew this this woman who came to pick her up at a Whole Foods once and she was she's not a Whole Foods shopper and she's like she looks so uncomfortable when she approached the store like this is not where I'm supposed to be. I don't want people to feel like they're not allowed to or they're not it's not for them. I don't want anyone to feel like that or feel that being eco-friendly is exclusion, you know, excluding people. Elitist or it's for the educated or the upper class or upper income class or whatever you want to call it, right? Exactly. So I, I want everyone to feel comfortable buying my product. And I want everyone to be able to afford it. If we're going to make, you know, coming back to the environmental side, if we are going to make problems like getting rid of plastic, removing plastic from our waste stream, it's going to take everyone being on board, not just the people who can buy big gallon jugs of Tide or the most expensive cleaning product at Whole Foods. Like Everyone needs to be on board. Otherwise, we're going to be dumping more and more plastic into the landfills, into the oceans. So we've got to find a way for everyone to do it. And thinking about pragmatic solutions, this is the most pragmatic way I, I can come up with to do that. How much does your detergent cost per wash? You can buy a Dollar Tree for $1.25. Uh, it's a 10-load pack. That's about 12 and a half cents per wash load. Yes. And then we also sell a larger pack, a 60-load pack, which you can buy on our website for $8. Or you can also buy, we're launching at uh, TJ Maxx and Marshalls. Again, stores that cater to everyone. And again, not where you typically find eco-friendly products. You can buy that product for $6. So that's an even better value, 10 cents per load. That's launching soon, TJ Maxx and Marshalls. So we're reaching people where everyone shops and giving them a great value, something that they buy. Everybody buys laundry detergent, and they're probably not going to find a better value for something as high quality as this. So how does that compare to other eco-friendly products and other conventional laundry detergents per wash? We had to be better than both. I knew we had to be more affordable than eco-friendly products, which is very easy because most of them are very overpriced. But we also had to be cheaper than your Tide, Gain, Arm & Hammer, all of those type of products. And so that was the goal and that's what we did. If you look at on the eco-friendly side, probably the biggest brand on the market now is called Earth Breeze. You can buy a 60 load pack of their product on Amazon for $14. So our price at TJ Maxx is less than half of that. So we knock it out of the park when we compare to other eco-friendly products. And our quality is actually better than those products. Like Earthbreeze, the leading brand, I'm just going to say it, they use an inferior product that's made in China. It's very thin and does not use the same high quality ingredients that we use. It costs about six times less for them 
to produce these detergent sheets, and yet their price is more than double ours. That does not seem very eco-friendly to me. That seems like you're just making a huge profit selling to people who can afford $15 worth of laundry detergent. Now, on the conventional side, comparing against the Tide, the Game, the Arm & Hammer, we're much more in line with their price. But again, like when you go to a store like Dollar Tree, you can buy our product, our 10-load product for $1.25, sitting right next to a jug of Tide and Gain that is only six loads. So we're still providing a good value, a better value to the consumer at a store like Dollar Tree, which is all about price and value. We're giving people great value and it just happens to be eco-friendly. Even if you're not buying it because it's eco-friendly, that's just as good too. How do you convince people that your product is just as good or better than the $15 earth breeze sheet sitting next to your $2 one? It's natural for people to think if you pay more, you get a better product. Absolutely. It is a burden for us to bear. It's, I think it does hurt us in some ways to be have such a low price because people do assume, oh, it's so much cheaper. It must be low quality. So the way that we fight against that, the biggest thing is getting people to try and review it. So we've been working with all kinds of influencers online, sending the product to a lot of people to try, give us their feedback. We launched a Kickstarter back in March of this year. And one of the reward tiers was to sponsor a giveaway of our product. And we had several people do this. For each person that purchased this reward tier, we go out and give 100 people our product for free. Like we're setting up a table. Here, take some detergent sheets. Have one, have one. So getting our product in front of people, getting them to actually try it, finding creative ways to do that is the most successful way because people have to try it first. Like any new thing, any new concept, people are gonna be a little skeptical. They're gonna to wanna to try it first or they're gonna to wanna to hear from their friend who's tried it. This is okay. I'm giving it my stamp of approval and then they'll feel comfortable buying it. But I'm hoping that our low price also helps. <laughs> It also have someone could buy it for $1.25 or $2. I hope that will also allow people to feel comfortable buying this product that is, in their mind, unknown and untested. You mentioned that your competitors' costs were one-sixth of yours and their prices were more than twice yours. How are you profitable? The numbers just don't match up. They don't add up. Well, we actually do make a profit. I think that speaks more to the fact that their product is just so overpriced. Whereas our product pricing is based on how can we make this as affordable as possible? And I think the other companies are looking at it as the cost doesn't really matter. What will people pay for this? And that's what we're going to charge. And people do pay for it. And that's, I don't want to bash these other companies because, you know, they are selling a more environmentally friendly product. They're just not appealing to everybody. And they're only selling to the people who can afford it. You know, that's great. But again, if we're going to solve these environmental problems and tackle climate change by removing plastic, it's going to take everybody, not just people who can afford it or can afford those more expensive products. So to answer your question, though, we do make a profit, but it's just smaller than uh, the typical eco-friendly product. So you're talking about inclusive capitalism. You want to make a profit. You want to create products with minimal damage or using the existing resources and capacities. 
and you can still be profitable if you are mindful. Yes. I want to be able to show other people that this works. You can be environmentally friendly and make a profit. Like it is possible to do those things without jacking up your prices. I want to use my company as an example. And I want to show other people who are selling other products, maybe someone who's selling, I don't know, some other cleaning product. You know, you can make something more environmentally friendly that costs the same as what consumers are used to paying. Like it is possible. I think there is a bit of a block in people's mind, like, oh, this is eco-friendly, so it's got to be expensive. That's not the case. It doesn't have to be that way. And so I want to prove that that's not the case. You know, the grocery shelf aisles, it's really hard to get the premium uh, shelves or the end caps. Sure. And they're probably already taken up by the big box guys for, you know, 50 years down the road. And I did How will you penetrate? I understand. I'm, I'm actually very impressed at your entry into the market through dollar stores, TJ Maxx, very unconventional for cleaning products. Yeah. But how will you get it to the grocery store where people do their weekly shopping? It takes time. We have to prove ourselves, not only prove my company and my brand, but we have to prove the concept. And to be frank, this product does exist. There are other brands selling in grocery stores now. Like if you go to your, your average, you know, middle to high-end grocery store, they're probably selling another brand of detergent sheets. They're going to be very expensive, probably about $15. And it's more profitable to sell those products. So when I'm coming in and saying, look, I've got a product that's half the price, in their mind, what they hear is I have to sell twice as many. And so it's easier to sell a more expensive product than twice as many of a less expensive product. It's all about margins too, right? In the end. Yeah, the margins and how many dollars can I generate from this spot on the shelf? So I don't want to sound defeatist because I'm not. I know that this will happen. It just takes time. And grocery stores take time to shift their mindset. So once they see that this product is successful and that people want it, then they'll bring it in. Like any new thing, it just takes time. So we'll get there. But uh, I'm more than happy to sell to TJ Maxx and convenience stores, gas stations, dollar stores, because I, I want to I want to be able to appeal to everybody. Like I mentioned earlier, you have enough of a sliver of the population if you take the people who normally would not have been able to afford an eco-friendly product. And in and the best thing is they don't have to be thinking about it. You are doing the thinking of it being environmentally friendly. They don't have to make a conscious. They have other things to take care of. Your kids, you know, they're paying rent and putting food on the table. And this problem is you give them an affordable solution. They can go pick it up and they're doing good at the same time. I want that to be the norm. You don't even have to think about, like you said, just pick up your everyday cleaning product or whatever the product is. And if we can just make eco-friendly products the norm, which means they have to be priced right, then think of how much waste we're going to be removing from landfills and from the ocean, how much plastic is going to be diverted. That's the true end goal in my mind. And I had read this um, research which actually talked about how grocery stores in poorer neighborhoods, the cost of grocery is much higher than a suburban store. Yes. And if you are able to fill those shelves with 
value products. I don't want to call it low price product, value product. You are doing far more than just giving them access to an eco-friendly product. Yeah, the corner grocery store or convenience store doesn't have the economy of scale that a mass market store like a Walmart or Target or something like that has. They're dealing with much bigger numbers and bigger volumes so they can offer lower prices typically. So when my product comes along to the corner store, we've still got to give them a good price and a good value. So we had to work very hard <laughs> to get our costs down to still make it affordable, to still give that good value. That takes work and I don't think that's in the typical businesses playbook or in their mindset like this why would we do this when we could just sell to a grocery store at a higher margin why are we put devoting these resources to this do they have msrp that is maximum suggested retail price in in the united states because in india the same colgate toothpaste costs the same regardless of whether you buy in the krona grocery store or in a um, big department store and that is because they have this concept of msrp which is maximum suggested retail price and most people sell at that price maybe there's a promotion for 5 or 10% so your thing in your context regardless of the stores it it would be same price so it's almost like having an msrp i can't speak for the other companies what they're strategy is i don't know but yeah for us we still have to deliver value and maybe one day we will sell to whole foods or a store like that but that's not really what we're about and i you know i'd be happy to sell to whole foods but where i think me and my company's value is 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 reaching the people that don't shop at whole foods and so we have to find the way to give them the value uh and ultimately i will say the retailer does ultimately decide the price but we're giving it to them at a cost that they can really charge a good price. I think that's the best way to to do it. They're going to be shocked and they have been shocked like this is not what we pay for detergent. <laughs> I think that's how we're able to beat the other companies. How old is Pot Detergent? We just started this year. We're very new. We officially launched in March and uh we just started rolling out to stores in June. And has the growth been as per your plans? The sales growth Well, I'd always like it to be more. I think we're we have all the business we can handle right now, but we're we're obviously growing. Yeah, the response has been very good. So, where are they made? They're made in Sweden. I think is another selling point where most of my competitors are made in China. One of the only brands, only one that I know of that is made in Sweden, and there's much more of a effort to make it a higher quality product. The ingredients matter more. Yes, they're made in Sweden. your products can be bought in the retailers that you mentioned and also online direct to consumer yeah and on amazon too where do you see your company in your brand new essay in 3 years i would like to be using my same pragmatic strategy in order to make more eco-friendly products more affordable and accessible and then also bringing this concept to the rest of the world like we've been speaking with in our short company life we've already been speaking to a lot of people around the world to bring it to their countries and so i want this to be the norm especially in places that they again they they don't get access to sustainable eco-friendly products especially in places that 
you know, they don't have the infrastructure for, for proper waste disposal. You know, I, I see all these these videos that are just rivers of trash just flowing down because these com- these countries don't have the infrastructure to handle all the waste. So this is a great product for that because there's practically no waste. Our sheets dissolve and our packaging is made of paper, so it's recyclable. There's nothing that's going to end up in a river or in a landfill or the ocean. It's perfect for places like that. And for countries that do have proper waste disposal, it's, it's great for them too. They just have to be introduced to this concept. Can it be used for hand washing? Because many of the countries that you want to enter into, most people don't have a washing machine. Yes. I'm actually about to put out a video on Instagram showing this. You can use these to wash in a basin or a sink. All you do is put your clothes in the sink or the bucket or basin or whatever. When you add the sheet, it starts to dissolve. So you just stir it up a little bit. And there's... um, in the video, I'm going to show this, but it, we have this little agitator that essentially spins the water around. I think it was like $7. I bought it online and it washes your clothes. So it's really good for people that don't have a washing machine, but it's also good for traveling. Like people who travel and they want to have clean clothes while they're traveling and they're staying in a hotel. All you have to do is put your clothes in the sink, mix it up with one of our sheets and voila, you've got clean clothes. No matter where you are in the world, you can have this and have clean clothes. And it's not like you have to carry around a big jug of detergent or soap or something. Like this is, you know, it weighs nothing. So have you heard of the washing machine project? It was started by a gentleman in UK. He was also on our show. He makes these sort of hand-cranked washing machine and sells it for... I forget how much it was, very nominal amount to women whose hands, if they are to do hand washing, it's blistered, their hands are hurting, and but this is hand cranked. So, But that would be a great person for you in future to maybe partner with. I would love to get in touch with them, yeah. The idea that this, this is only for traditional washing machines is it can be used in so many different ways. And like, Anyone can use this product. All you need is some water and, and a bucket. And now you, you can have the same level of cleanliness that anyone else can, can have. Like it's the same, the, the quality doesn't diminish because we're selling it to another country or someone who doesn't have a washing machine. Like it's the same high quality that you would be buying at TJ Maxx or Dollar Tree or whatever. Thank you so much, Reed, for coming on Mindful Businesses. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much for having me. I've enjoyed the conversation. You're listening to Mindful Businesses, produced and hosted by Vedya Ayer. We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at info at mindfulbusinessespodcast.com. If you learned a thing or two from this episode, share it with one friend. Click on the subscribe button to be the first to learn about our latest episodes. We recorded this podcast in Buffalo, New York, Theme music was composed by Tatum Gale. Roseanne Kurian is our marketing assistant. Ketan Karat is our podcast editor. Our advisors are Jim Stone and Anupama Pastrija. This is Vedya Ayer with Mindful Businesses.